This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today, those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige, and engineering. First. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello and welcome to a damn good episode of the world's best construction podcast. I'm Fred and as always I'm here with Luke and Liam. How's your week been guys? You ready for this? Yeah mate, can't wait, can't wait. This is the highlight of my week but um, another highlight of my week was seeing that a house was built on top of a tower in India on the old B1M Instagram. I thought it was like, <laughs> I thought it was a joke or something. I couldn't believe it. Where did you guys find that? Where's that come from? I'd seen it on Instagram a bit and I just thought this is this is too crazy not to kind of reshare. So we reached out to the the drone guy who filmed it and he's very kindly let us reshare it. But yeah, incredible. Uh, Kingfisher Towers in what used to be Bangalore. It's now Bengaluru, I believe, mm. um, in India. Yeah, 34 stories high. Uh, with a twenty a twenty million dollar mansion sat on top of it. Wow! And it and it kind of looks like the White House with yeah. blue windows. Yeah, <laughs> it's, so, <laughs> it's so bizarre. And you can on the video you can see there's like a pool and people are just sitting around the pool at the top. Or <laughs> it's just it's just so random. I weren't expecting it. I weren't expecting. It. So listen, I thought I'd bring that out because we're not going to be doing it in the social bit because you know we talk about proper quote-unquote proper architecture on those <laughs> bits and this bit's so random but uh yeah yeah how how are you Liam you're right mate I'm good mate I'm good I've not been up to um anything too excited to be honest I've had a pretty boring week guys oh yeah 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 how Did about you what, for any drinks or anything no uh yeah a few drinks on Friday night mate just a little date night with my partner you know took the dog oh. up to a cocktail bar which is pretty interesting. Aww. Yeah, people just pushing themselves over to come pat it, which is which is always great. But um, no, mate, nothing nothing too exciting. Um, what's been happening with you, Fred? Not that much, mate. It's been a pretty quiet week. This is again a really good podcast intro section. There we go. <laughs> yeah, not a lot been happening to me. <laughs> uh, my parents moved house last Friday, so uh, a lot of us came around and chipped in and got uh, their lives onto a couple of lorries, and then. Off a couple of lorries in the afternoon. Um, so that was good fun. Good fun. I My back just about survived. I did have a sore back for a few days afterwards, but I just about survived. Uh, they downsized slightly, so we were trying to get furniture into rooms where it didn't quite fit, um, which was fun. But yeah, that no, was mm. good. It's good bit, did, bit of did, did you see? Did you see Oppenheimer in the end? I did, mate. Yes, I did. Did you? Um, okay. I wasn't... It's a very good movie, right? The acting is incredible. The story's incredible. It's... It was just a bit. It was a bit indulgent. I found it was a bit over edited in Ooh. places. Oh, okay. And a, 
it was kind of a bit too long. Like, I, I understand. I'm, mm. I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm up for a three-hour movie. You know, Titanic, Gladiator, count me in. These are some <laughs> epic films. Avatar, go for it. But this just felt like it was unnecessarily long. It could have been more tightly written, I think. Oh, Sorry, okay. I know. All the film critics are like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And to be clear, I don't know what I'm talking about. Everyone else is saying it's a great film. Yeah, I just found it a bit like... Phew, I wouldn't rush to go and see it at the cinema again. Wait for it to hit oh, Netflix. Oh, mate. Mate. All right. Okay. The film reviews of Fred Mills, mate. Yeah. Four stars, I think. Yeah. <laughs> good start, I haven't seen mate. Barbie. Have you guys seen Barbie? Yeah, well, good. No, mate. You saw- <laughs> I knew. I knew instantly that you would have done Luke, and Liam, you would never see it in your life. Yeah. I have zero interest in seeing it, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah. How was it, Luke? Yeah, I like it. You got a big it, smile mate. on your face, mate. mate. I like to. I it just about gets four stars for me. Four just out of, just about four out of five or four out of ten. Four out of five. Four out of five. Yeah, just it just mate. clinches that. Jeez, what 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 gave it such such a high rank? It's Margot just a Robbie. very very well made film. It's very funny and it's very poignant. Oh, oh okay. There we go. Without wow. spoilers. There you go. I've got a letterboxed review. So if anyone wants to go follow me on Letterboxd, which is the film film ranking, film rating app, then yeah, go go have a look there. But uh wow. awesome. <laughs> well, from from a couple of uh from a couple of four star films to a five star film that came oh. out on the B1M yesterday, Ooh. we are bringing you this week the dramatic race to fix a cracked dam. The great big thing I filmed over in Switzerland earlier in June. Absolutely incredible project. I am so pleased this is out in the world. It is damn epic. We're going to be talking about that in some detail shortly. We've also got Zaha D's futuristic new skyscraper in China. Euston Tower's full makeover in London. Loads of your comments from the week and plenty of debate and discussion between us. Let's do this. Let's get cracking. Let's go. First of this week, we are talking about the dramatic race to fix a cracked dam. As I said, I'm super excited this video is out there now. Back in June this year, which is only a few weeks ago, but anyway, back in June this year, I travelled to Switzerland to film a project, the likes of which I've never really seen before, right? This thing is incredible. The Spitalam Dam, which that's his actual name, right? The Spitalam Dam sits high up in the Swiss Alps. It's more than 2,000 metres above sea level. It's over an hour away from the nearest town. It is a properly, properly remote location. We flew into Zurich, uh, and you kind of drive down there, and it kind of gradually becomes more mountainous. You start going through all these long, twisting mountain passes up and over um, these these mountain ranges. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, as part of that, we went across the Furka Pass, which is actually used in the 1964 James Bond film Goldfinger, which is where that picture on my Instagram came from. We went to exactly the same place where that was filmed in 1963. So we're exactly 60 years on, which is very, very cool. I recreated a bit of that in the video, which is pretty awesome. So yeah, the drive up there was incredible. The 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 edit on that where the line just comes down on the video and it's you at the top and then Bond at the bottom. That was that was absolutely dreamy, mate. That was superb. The videography actually in this whole video is outstanding. So yeah, just wanted to get that in first and foremost, mate. 
the yeah, shout out to shout out to Jim Casey, editor on this. He did a fantastic job, and I have to say, the amount of time and effort that went into that Bond shot was kind of a bit um, a bit embarrassing. To be honest, we spent quite a lot of time. <laughs> we spent quite a lot of time making that happen, but it looks good. He's he's achieved the impossible task of making me look good, which is uh, which is no small feat. So yeah, it's come together very very well between him and the drone guy we hired for this. It's the first time ever we've had a dedicated like aerial person filming me filming shots of me doing pieces to camera from the air yeah it was ridiculously cool and like to capture that road stuff and pull it across and get it get it across through video was awesome i'm really pleased how the sequence comes together so yeah just just getting to this site location is incredible What's how up, long Liam? did you it take to, to say? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> mate i just want to know how long it took you guys to find the exact spot because obviously Jim is a movie buff because he always has these really cool like movie uh, sort of segues and things like that in the the videos that he edits, which which I think adds a ton of value. But I've, mm-hmm. I've been wondering how you guys actually found that exact spot. So it's actually there's actually a uh, post that says James Bond Street on it. There's a big sign and there's a little memorial there to Sean Connery, which I actually oh, took a picture of oh, my wow. phone. Yeah, it's really cool. That's the that and that is the exact spot. Oh, they've changed the road barrier now, so it doesn't quite look as good. Um, also, when we got there, there was a field of cows next to us with bells around their necks, uh, and they put these big bells around the cows' necks so they can find these cows in the valley when they let them out there. Anyway, it was absolutely deafening from cow bells. It was not the kind of slick bond set you'd imagine. So. <laughs> We had to drive higher up, so we recreated it from a different stretch of road with the same bollards from a slightly different angle. So yeah, I'm basically I'm behind the scenes tip here. We didn't actually film from the same spot because of cows. Oh, <laughs> Love it. it looks the, the same. Glamour. The glamour, the yeah. glamour of such a city scenes. boy. Oh my god, there's <laughs> cows here. We can't film here. It was very noisy, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> I live in the country. What do you mean, city boy? <laughs> Mate, Surrey is not the country. <laughs> <laughs> I've got fields next to my office. There's a farmer. There's tractors next to me. There's manure spreading. No oh. way. Feels really? pretty raw to me. Liam, yeah. are you from? Are you from the country in New Zealand? Uh, are you from like rural? Yeah, yeah kind of. I grew. Yeah. I grew up on like a little bit of land. Yeah. Mm. We had cows. We had three. <laughs> there we go. Back to story. The- <laughs> <laughs> Look out for that in the next quiz. How many cows did Liam have growing up? <laughs> oh, no. One was a bull. Sorry. Don't get the point. Sort of thing he'd do. <laughs> now, as I said, getting to this place was incredible. The drive up there was incredible. We've definitely captured that in, in the film. Spitalam Dam was built way back between 1925 and 1932. So it's now almost 100 years old. And it was one of the world's first large arch gravity dams now if you're not familiar dear listener with what an arch gravity dam is that is where a dam curves upstream and narrows using its own weight and the weight of support bracings to force most of the water pressure behind it into and against the rock walls in which it sits in the canyon in which it sits in it's basically kind of like a big wedge that's kind of wedged into a canyon and the force of water behind it pushes it further into the canyon walls, creating a watertight seal that prevents water coming out. That's how your basic large arch gravity dam would work. It looks very similar to the Hoover Dam, but it's actually older than the Hoover Dam. Hoover Dam was completed three years later. So this was kind of the blueprint, in a way, for a lot of what happened over in the US at the Hoover Dam, which is super interesting. 
114 meters tall. It was one of the tallest dams in the world when it first finished. There were over 600 people working on it, building it almost entirely by hand. That alone, from the late 1920s, early 1930s, is an incredible feat of engineering. And that dam created Lake Grimsel, which is this huge lake behind the dam, one of the biggest reservoirs in Switzerland, capacity for over 94 million cubic meters of water. Uh, amazing feat of engineering. But 30 years after its construction, a pretty shocking discovery was made. Back in the 60s, when the area was becoming popular with both tourists and filmmakers, some tests were made on the dam which threw up some very worrying results. Investigators found a big old crack on the lake side of the structure. Well, actually, it was more than a crack. It's what's called a vertical separation. In other words, a massive chunk of material running almost all the way from top to bottom has started to separate from the rest of the dam, the mass concrete. There's a smaller horizontal crack below the crest of the dam as well. Over the years, it's been getting worse, and there are concerns about what might happen to the structure in the event of an earthquake. So at this point, you're probably thinking, why not just repair the crack somehow or replace the section that's coming away, right? Why not send divers down or drain the reservoir, fix the dam, move on? be a damn simpler thing to do. Um, that was the original plan, but it turned out to be too risky because this investigation showed that doing that could lead to, and this is from the report, right? I'm not an expert in, in concrete analysis, but... Uh, it could lead to a alkali aggregate reaction, which could cause long-term damage to the concrete. Uh, and then on top of all that, there was sediment building up behind the dam, and it's accumulating around the lower discharge zone, which is basically a pipe that lets water out of the dam through the front of the dam if they need to. Most of the water in this lake goes down through a hydroelectric power system, which we're going to talk about a bit later on. But if they ever need to let some water out of the reservoir, they have that discharge pipe thing at the front, uh, which goes to the bottom of the dam. Sediment building up around that is bad because if it gets completely blocked, you can't drain the lake and you start to have all kinds of other problems. Uh, so yeah, interesting, interesting proposition. They can't get rid of the old dam. It is, It can't be removed. Uh, it can't be taken away. So that brings us to this slightly remarkable place. Where we are building a dam in front of a dam. What do you guys think? It's a lot, isn't it, to just basically go, let's build another dam and give up on the other dam. But I suppose there's no other way around it, is there? There's there, there's no other way to do this, is, is there? Especially with like the conditions that are there. No, so like, we were talking to them about this. You could completely drain the reservoir and then knock the old dam down and rebuild it. Right. But that means you're going to lose out on loads of not having water in the lake for a few years means you're not going to mm -hmm. have that hydroelectric power so to keep the power generation going and keep the keep the system running it's more straight it sounds crazy it's more straightforward to build a dam in front of a dam which is what they're now doing up in the swiss alps it's funny at, at the front of the site there's like a smaller little barrier which is where some of the local rivers being diverted and held back a bit um so there's actually a dam in front of a dam in front of a dam but that doesn't really... That would have been a bit same. confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it's all right. The Swiss government can afford this anyway, so... Do you know what I mean? They can... All that, all that wealth. It's yeah. $140 million, right? Which, compared to your average infrastructure project on the B1M, is, uh, mm. is like a fiver, really, isn't it? Is it because they've made it um, narrower? 
than the traditional one? Yes. So this is a the new one is now a uh, double curvature dam, which means it curves in the vertical direction too. So because it's it curves curves horizontally and vertically, that's a hard thing to get your head around. Uh, but it's almost like you've sort of pushed your pushed your fist into a um, you know, like a trampoline. So it's sort of curving, mm-hmm. sort of curving in every direction. Um, and what that does is create more strength. It gives the dam more strength, more rigidity. So you can lose, you can use less material in its construction, but have more strength as a result of it. So, yeah, that's partly why. That's partly why, Liam. I think it's also the fact that the Swiss have really good supply chains and are very organised. And yeah, it, they just they just get on with stuff. That's my big impression when I was there. Is they just it was run like a military operation. I shouldn't say military operation because they're a neutral country, but you know what I mean. It felt like a military operation. <laughs> um, it was very slick. They're moving forward and. Yeah, they're just getting on with it. I find I find that really interesting. The comparison of how they built it. What would you say? Was it sixty three years ago? No, nearly hundred years. years ago. Nearly hundred yeah. years ago. And just the technology and the advancements of the construction process that are like, oh, actually, we can build it like this now. Less materials, uh, less room, um, and things like that. It's yeah, it's really cool seeing them side by side and seeing the comparison. Yeah, yeah. I'd say the process of getting that new dam in front of it was it was remarkable and i think this is the the setting here is just astonishing you are way up in the mountains you start to feel a bit you get a bit that kind of mountain air feel where you feel a little bit drowsy a little bit tired you haven't got quite as much energy as you think you might have just because the oxygen level is that bit lower Mm -hmm. there's snow there's cold winds they can only work on this for certain months of a year i think it shuts between uh mid-october to mid-may so they can only work on this during the summer and they have to crack on and get things done each summer. Um, but you know, get, getting materials up there, getting people up there, uh, making sure they're, they've got everything they need to get cracking on it is, is just, yeah, it's super impressive. I've never seen such a, a large infrastructure project in such a remote and challenging location as this, I don't think. Obviously, we've, we've done like, you know, the railway in the desert we've covered. We did the Trans-Siberian Railway. There are remote infrastructure products out there. Faroe Islands, another example, but this one for me just—I've never seen quite so many extreme ingredients. It was—it was awesome. Mm. So to give you a bit more background on how they actually built this, I want to take you through step by step uh, what happened. So it all started with clearing a space for the new dam with controlled explosives, and doing that right next to the old dam that's holding back that massive lake full of water without damaging it is crazy. So basically, to create the footings for this new dam. They had to blast out areas of solid rock using explosives to create space to pour the foundations and get the footings in. Just crazy, crazy stuff. From there, the vast dam wall is rising as a series of these like staggered 15 meter wide towers, as I said, over the course of four summers. So it started back in 2019 and it's due to finish in 2025. So when we went in 2023, you'll see in the video, the wall's kind of about half built. It's not rising as one solid wall. It's rising like Tetris in a way. There's like little towers popping out of it and stuff. And it's built like that so that each segment can dry or basically cure faster. And that helps increase the overall strength of the damn wall. If you look really closely, they've got these little little circles on them that are little bubbles on the uh, concrete walls that are designed to interlock and connect into the next tower that's being poured next to them to give it even more strength. So super super clever stuff as we said it's double curvature so it's a bit different than before but the organization that's going in 
to cast in those towers is remarkable. And when you look down from above, they were casting in these like formwork walkways into the concrete, like these tunnels into the concrete. And you see in the video, I go down into one of those tunnels. It was a terrifying place to be because you're surrounded by huge amounts of concrete. There's like dripping water around you. There's you're conscious that there's this enormous reservoir behind you as well. It's very, it's very intimidating. If you don't like claustrophobia, if you're a bit claustrophobic, I wouldn't recommend it. Mm. But to go down and see that was, yeah, it was very, very cool. Did all you guys go down there? Uh, yes, it was me, Adam, and Jim's. Adam's our Adam Savage is our content producer. Not that Adam Savage, I should say. Our Adam Savage is better. Uh, but yeah, Adam Savage, Jim Casey, and me, um, and the uh, fantastic uh, PR and press team from. Uh, the dam as well went down with us they knew where they were going thankfully right yeah cold dark you're standing in water there's rock around you there's concrete around you yeah it was eerie i didn't like that bit yeah yeah (laughs) i I think i'm good i think i'm good i don't know because i'm sure there are tours that you could do maybe or will be tours and even um last year i went to crooken dam up in Scotland, didn't I, where they filmed Andor? Oh, yeah. They hiked up there. But downstairs, um, uh, below, at like, sea level, the normal bit, the normal bit um, there was a visitor centre, and they do, like, tours of the dam, but it's on the inside. I was looking at photos. I was like, mm, I don't know. This is just – it's just a working – it's a working dam on the inside. I think it's more impressive from the outside, but we had to hike up this hill anyway. I was but basically, long story short, I was basically in Star Wars. Do you know what I mean? I was actually there. I was on Aldani from Andor. Um, but yeah, when it comes to that bit, I think I'm good. The inside yeah. claustrophobia, nah, I'm all right. There were lots of moments when we were filming this where we were a very long way inside mountains or under rocks. And I was just trying to think about it because mm. if you think about it too much, it is it is crazy where you've gone. Like, yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. Anyway, with the with the dam constructed and the walls going up, they then build a huge tunnel through the side of the mountain, around the side of the dam. And that is to allow water to be discharged from the reservoir and sent downstream if the water level ever gets too high. So it's like that original discharge tunnel I talked about. Same thing again. But before they can do that, because obviously if they dug that tunnel the whole way through and then punched through into the reservoir, water would all start to fall out before they'd completed the tunnel or put the kind of dams and stops within it that they need to. Um, So the reservoir has to be completely drained. So they're going to let the whole reservoir go right down to the bottom. It's going to send all the water down into the hydropower system. Teams are then going to go in and clear the sediment on the lake bed and dig the rest of the tunnel, that discharge tunnel, before slowly allowing the reservoir to refill naturally They're then going to gradually flood the area between the uh, old dam and the new dam. And that new dam is going to take over the task of holding back the weight of the lake. The old dam can then just kind of enjoy its retirement, sat in the same place it's always been, but having finally lost that near century-long battle it's had with (laughs) the water. Um, It's an incredible thing. And what she did say to us is that, uh, so this is the the fantastic press lady, Nadia, who showed us around and and escorted us for for the three days. There's the Grimsel Hospice Hotel we mentioned, which sits on top of the the mountain overlooking the dam, which is amazing, actually. It's a very, very nice hotel when you go inside. Um, The original one of those was actually built on the floor of the reservoir, uh, but it was kind of decommissioned and stripped out before the reservoir was filled. But then it's been sat underwater since then. So when they drain this reservoir, this hotel is going to, like, come back from 
the 1930s and be there sat on the riverbed, which is going to be awesome. Like, you know, these Instagram accounts that like to do abandoned places, get yourself down there, guys. It's going to be a good moment. Oh, it's like the start of a horror film, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it really is. It really is. Yeah, it, 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 it's, cra- it's crazy impressive that they're doing this. I still can't get over the budget, you know. Yeah. <laughs> why, why is, you said it's to do with, um, you think it might be to do with supply. supply I think there's lots of things. They, they, do, they, they do a lot of damn building in Switzerland. They know what they're doing. They, they're quite good at getting concrete up mountains. They have a good, yeah, say good infrastructure, good supply chain for doing this. So um, they can get it done reasonably quickly, reasonably efficiently. So, yeah, but I have to say, even, that, even saying all that, in the context of almost every other project we talk about in this podcast, it feels like mm. they've missed a zero. Do you know what I mean? 1.4 billion? Yes. 140 million? Really? And there's only 8.7 million people in Switzerland. Size of London. That's crazy, isn't it? That's crazy, and it's such a wealthy country. I think I was reading like the average wage in Switzerland is like $6,000 a month. <laughs> well, that's the average wage. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not bitter at all, but yeah. <laughs> how 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 do uh, how do winters play into this then? Because obviously, you said earlier about how um, over the course of four summers, specifically four summers, they're doing this. Yeah, and th- and this is this is crazy. Like the, some of the scenes and, and the areas where you see me walking around in the video are literally buried in snow come the winter Mm. this is way up in the swiss alps we're talking three meters of snow they have to dig these like tunnel walkways through it just to get from the cable car the gondola over to the hotel like it's ridiculous stuff the construction site can't function because you can't pour concrete you can't get people up there you can't store materials it's it's a mess there's snow everywhere and even when they reopen the site each summer uh and they, they were actually late this year because there was a it was a a harsher winter in Switzerland. So they had to open the site a few weeks later. They have to get excavators in to clear off the snow, to move the packed ice away. They have to do a load of work just to get to the site, to get building. Um, it's incredible. So like teams, the teams there are currently working 20 hours a day, seven days a week, because there's this like constant race on to get as much work uh, done as they can while the, while the sun's shining effectively. Sun mm. wasn't shining that much when we were there, but you know, while it's summer, um, yeah, and it's it. The place is totally covered in snow. And I had this really lovely chat with a guy called uh, Lucius Gartman on a gondola who knows all about what the winter's like up in that part of the world. But these gondolas are more than just a tourist attraction, right? Yeah, it, it was built for for the workers to be moved up here because in winter you have no chance to get up here on the road. So you have to take several gondolas all the time. I'm from London. We have, you know, maybe a foot of snow is like the worst snow we get. How, how much snow are we talking here? Well, it's very different, but sometimes <laughs> we have three meters of snow up here. Three meters yes, of snow. Three meters of snow, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Basically, when the cold sets in up here, you need more than just a thicker pair of socks. The site almost disappears under snow. If the project didn't shut down, those working at heights would have to endure 200 km an hour freezing winds. 
there's the threat of avalanches. Pouring concrete would become next to impossible. None of it sounds good. You know, they, they stop the construction site mid-October till mid-May. And they cannot maintain the construction because of the snow. And it's much too cold for, for work with, with concrete. Uh, Lucius was one of my favourite things about this video. Mate, guy, what a legend. He's a legend. It was fantastic. We had such a great day with him. He's such yeah. a nice guy. He had so much time for us. He's so much knowledge of the area. He was just he was just fantastic. And I've said I mentioned this before, but our camera guy Jim was so determined to get the right shot of me and him on the gondola with a dam in the background that he ne- negotiated with the uh, with the operators to get the the gondola stopped midway. So we could film. There's only one gondola on this, so it was just going back and forth, and it was just us on it. Um, but he got it stopped halfway up, so we could get the right shot. And then, as I said, the gondola broke down, and we spent half an hour just hanging in the middle of nowhere. But um, Lucius Blessing was on his phone, calling everyone he knew, messaging people uh, within the company, <laughs> pressing buttons for us, and he eventually got us moving. So, so yeah. But he was such a great guy. He say he just he brings so much insight and really makes the video for me. So yeah, I yeah, miss him great. actually. With the um, with the Windsors, mate, do they have people in the up on the dam like twenty four hours a day maintaining it? Yeah, so you said there's there's the hotel up there, which is like the hotel seems to major on the fact that you can go to a crazy snow covered place. Uh, if you look at their website and stuff, uh, it's all about experiencing deep snow and getting up there with gondolas and stuff. Um, oh, wow. And there is a small supervisory team that sit and look after the dam through the winter. Um, but the, but Lucius was telling me before the gondolas were built before they put the cable cars in they used to have to have one guy like the 1930s 40s 50s who would sit up there for the winter so he'd take enough food supplies and he'd go up to this cabin and kind of build himself in and base himself in this cabin for the winter and if he needed to go down he'd have to ski down to the valley to see people or talk to people and then hike all the way back up again through the snow so it was worth him just it wasn't worth him doing that. He just basically spent the winter on his own in a cabin in the snow. This is before Netflix. That's amazing though. Wow. That's pretty wow. cool. Yeah, what would, what would you do in a cabin all winter on your own? No TV. Can you can you like go hunting or anything out there? <laughs> you got like probably. snowboarding, skiing, bit of hunting. Yeah. Probably, spear, probably drink a lot of snaps up there. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting around by the fire. <laughs> yeah yeah some type of I, I, I think you'd you'd have you'd you'd keep busy though you'd have to light the fire you'd have to obviously <laughs> yeah. eat you'd have to probably do maintenance on your you know your your place that you're staying yeah yeah get that feels like yeah. one morning <laughs> feels like a couple of hours doesn't it oh, <laughs> smoke is there a gym is there a gym there as well i don't know Put, put a gym yeah, in, mate, because literally you're just like reading books, drinking, eating, gym. You could hold like a bag of potatoes and see how long you could hold on to it. I've I've been to a friend's house who's a bit of a beefcake, and he's done that with another friend of mine who's a beefcake, and they've uh, done a competition on who can hold a huge sack of potatoes the longest. <laughs> I was like, right, okay, I'm... Uh, I'm obviously in in the wrong crowd. <laughs> well, the, the old uh, weighted bag carry is part of my gym routine now. So, is it real? Next time you're having a potato pie, mate, mate invite me over. I will. I'll, I'll be like my money. mate Fred. Yeah, he's, 
he's gonna bust all of you guys. I don't know if this guy in the cabin had a dog. I want him to have had a dog. I can imagine himself mm. on the fire with a dog. You know, but even that's like the basis for a horror film, isn't it? He's snowed in for the winter. Anything good? Happen. I mean, listen. I it, this this whole video is either a James Bond film, yeah, or it's just the start of like the next Saw horror film. You know, it's all a lot of things could go wrong. A lot of things could go wrong, and um, but you, just to go to bring it back to construction, it goes to show like how incredible construction is that we can do this sort of thing in such difficult locations. Yes, they're building it in the summers, but still to maintain, you know, a place like this that's that important, it's it, yeah. it is absolutely phenomenal, isn't it? It is, and what I love about this is that it's it's tucked out of sight, it's out of mind. No one really knows it's there. Right. It's, it's it's an impossible place to build, really. Quite frankly, it's difficult. Everything about it's difficult. It's an it's an inhospitable, unwelcoming environment. But that project and the the lake behind it actually plays a huge role in impacting millions of people's lives. You know, it keeps the lights on across Switzerland. The hydroelectric mm. dam system, which they took us down to see, which was incredible. So we had to drive two kilometers into the mountain they took us down to this like jurassic parks type door that opens on the side of this cliff uh and then we drive in with our cars through this mountain two kilometers through this dark uh like cavernous road which was just just absolutely incredible i think they cleared something like half a million cubic meters of granite to build that tunnel over the course of several months like it was a remarkable thing i'm now driving through a mountain and under a huge reservoir. Look at the sat-nav. We are going under a lake. And we drive under a lake to see where this hydroelectric power plant is. And that's where they're letting the water fall down from the reservoir. And as it falls down from that reservoir into the next one, the next one lower down the mountain, it passes through a turbine and they use that to generate electricity. The energy company KWO, so KWO are doing this project. They own the reservoirs, they own the dams. Uh, They have several of those reservoirs and dams all down the Alps uh, from top to bottom. And they're basically generating electricity from the same water as it falls down the mountain. Same time, multiple times from the same water as it falls down the mountain. It's incredible. And because you've got that consistent flow, it's much more reliable than wind or solar. You know, wind or solar can have peaks and troughs depending on whether it's day or night and if it's windy or not. Whereas with hydro, it's more reliable. You always know where you can open your reservoir and let some water fall down. Um, yeah, it's really clever. And what's really interesting is when the when there's like a surplus of energy, when they don't need to sell as much energy to the grid, they can use that energy to pump water back up again into the reservoirs so they can reuse it when demand is higher like it was a mind-blowing system i came back from this thinking hydropower is the future we could change the world we could solve climate change and the energy crisis with this if we just built more hydroelectric power plants but yeah i mean you need more mountains then for that yeah (laughs) not everyone (laughs) build a mountain Hmm. Not everyone, not everyone's got the same. But yeah, you you are right. We need to take the principles of this project and apply it elsewhere. But yeah, Switzerland is it's that country, isn't it, where it's in a very good position for a lot of things, and it goes to show how much geography can affect things like quality of life. You know, past and present, future. Right. So 
yeah it's uh this this is this has been an eye-opening video really good video and the team yeah. smashed it mate honestly yeah. you guys smashed it I, I'd say I love Switzerland. I've never been before, but I've been twice this year, twice in the space of a few months. Uh, two very different hotels, I should say. The hotel that we stayed in with the B1M team did not have an infinity pool. It was uh, <laughs> barely had a shower, to be quite honest. But, <laughs> but yeah, but it's, a, it's an amazing country. They do so many things right, and there's so much... Mm. Obviously, like, there's, there's a completely different history and system of government and all the rest of it, but there's a lot we could learn from them. I could see myself mm. living there very easily, um, particularly with a Swiss salary. That'd be fantastic. Bring, <laughs> bring it on. Bring it on. Um, there's a video you're going to see out on our social media as well of where we were traveling through the tunnel, and they told us about how the tunnel, this is the tunnel that goes inside the mountain through underneath uh, the reservoir to where the hydroelectric power plant is. Uh, they told us the story when that was being constructed, uh, the team digging it suddenly broke through. So it was in October 1973. So it's going to be, I think, 50 years ago this October. Uh, they hit this cavern filled with diamonds. It's absolutely incredible. Crystals, sorry, not, di- not diamonds, crystals uh, that were formed 16 million years ago. Uh, and there's some footage of that in the little short we've done on social media, TikTok and stuff, uh, that shows that crystal cavern. And it's just just amazing. Amazing stuff. Superb, mate. I want to go. I want to go sometime. I did actually, uh, my family and I accidentally drove to Switzerland once from Italy. <laughs> Take a wrong turn. Uh, more or less. My dad took a wrong turn and we ended up in Lugano, which is on the border with uh, with Italy. But there we go. So I, I would love to go. And my, my missus family, some of our families from Switzerland, they're French Swiss. So yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to go back, mate. Love to go back. So, guys, let us know what you thought about this video. If you thought it was damn good, send your emails in to podcast at the b1m.com. We have poured our hearts and souls into this video. We spent a lot of time and energy making it. I'm really, really proud of the production quality and the story. So, um, hopefully, you like it. If you've got a bad review, maybe just think twice before sending that in. But, um, yeah, get your comments coming in, guys. As I said, podcast at the b1m.com. Also in the news this week, uh, some interesting things going on, actually. First off, we are going over to uh, Xi'an in China, where Zahari Architects have won an international design competition with proposals for a new skyscraper. I really like this. It is very, very futuristic and edgy. 210 metres tall. Uh, it's called the Daxia Tower. It's targeting a lead gold certification, and it's got these huge kind of glass sculpted facades coming out the side of it that are going to help bring natural light deep into the building's footprint kind of limiting the amount of artificial light that we needed during the day um in case you're wondering in case you want some specifics 127,220 square meters of office and retail space uh, all rising in the heart of the city's tech districts this part of china is uh like many parts of china a bit of a tech hub i love this but you know me, Zaha Deed can do kind of no wrong when it comes to, to Fred Mills. More more balanced opinions, guys. What do you reckon? Big fan, mate. Big fan. I love the uh, the shot on slide two. And you can see the two of the curvature um, mm. piece of the detail on the um, bottom half and the top half. It, yeah, I think it looks cool. Very futuristic. Very modern. Very modern, actually. <laughs> What's not to love? What's yeah. not to love? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to echo that. I think 
it's it's superb. It's simple, um, but it's a little bit different. And the finish, oh my days! If 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 they got to get the cladding right on this, but wow, it does look good. That first image with like the blue, the blue lights in those like indents or whatever you want to call them. They, like, what's going on there? Is that the glass or is it lighting? Like, what it's is this, it? It's this clever thing that Zaha do where they they light stuff up very cool colors for the sake of render. So they did it with um. Oh. They did it with the Lisa Soho Tower in Beijing with this kind of like space age green coloring. It did look very, very cool. I, I have to say that first render, I mean, wow. I've got like Independence mm. Day. You know the alien spaceship on Independence Day where it's got like the blue yeah. light here and there? It yeah. reminds me of that. It's very space age, very tech, very China in 2023. Yeah, love it. They've even got the um, reflection of it on the the building to the left of it. Which I love, like the little, wow. yeah, love small that. details goes a long way. Good spot, Mister Marsh. I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. God, it's really good because it's not just it's not just the tower as well. It's the surrounding areas. There's like a there's a cool little um, the what's what's it at the bottom? Not the ramp, the platform kind of thing podium what's it called podium thank you mixed use podium there we go <laughs> the mixed use podium which <laughs> is classic but you know they've got all the they've got the trees on there the shrubbery on there but you know it looks good it looks really good the park nearby i don't know man it just it, it's it feels organic i think this is an exceptional design maybe one of the best skyscraper designs we've had this year yeah I agree. Yeah. We love it. Well done, Zaha. Again, you've mm-hmm. got another rave review from the world's best construction podcast. They're going to they're gonna cock up at some point. I'm sure they are. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna get something wrong and we're going to slate them for it. But um, And it'll be all the more juicy when it happens because yes. it's such a good run. Yeah, it will be. It will be. Uh, now, swing it back over to... Or swing back over? Swing over to London now, our hometown, London, England. Uh, very cool plans for the Euston Tower to get a complete facelift. Now, the Euston Tower is that kind of glass boxy building rising from Houston, funnily enough. Uh, you can sort of see from Topham Court Road, you sort of see it as you go along Topham Court Road. It is 53 years old. I didn't mm. know this. Uh, but 3XN architects uh, working with British Land are going to take that 36-story building that's actually sat vacant since 2021, reclad it, transform it, make it look very different. It's going to have more warmth and tech. Well, sorry, start again. It's going to have more warmth and tactility. Words that I don't use regularly when talking about buildings. But anyway, as you can tell, <laughs> uh, that's what's happening. That's what we're going to do to it. Uh, they're helping it achieve a low operational carbon performance by changing the glazing, which is going to be exciting. Well, as exciting as it gets in climate land. Um, <laughs> the vision is to turn it into a net zero workspace for cutting edge businesses in the heart of London's knowledge quarter. Goodness me, press press release language right there. Uh, formal planning applications going in later this year, and then once it's approved, works will crack on from there. Got a good team here with 3XN because 3XN famously adapted Sydney's uh, AMP Capital Building into what is now Key Quarter Tower, retaining around 65% of the original structure while extending it vertically and horizontally and giving it a complete facade overhaul. So... Uh, they've picked the right architects. They know what they're doing. And I think the idea of updating the tower is good. It's quite a famous building in London. I quite like this building in London. Um, I'm not a huge fan of what it's going to become. Mm. What do you guys think? Uh, I think 
I understand that they want to make it more efficient. They want to make it more attracted, attractive to businesses. But it's not the same building. It's just completely changing the building. And I don't think it's going to look anything like that. I just It screams it's going to be value engineered and they're going to get it wrong and the render looks one way in reality it's going to look a different way and you know i i I do believe even with sometimes towers that aren't or architecture that's not always the most attractive that architecture should be of its time you know this houston tower is a is a typical international style mid-century building right and it's it helped pave the way for high rise in 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 london and it should resemble that you know what's wrong with just changing the cladding just change just update the cladding you know and keep the style because it isn't this isn't much of an upgrade i don't think you know it it's it's somewhat interesting but i don't know mate i don't know and what they did in sydney like the the key is it key quarter key quarter that was that was an amazing job they did a really really good job in that and i think the finished product looks really good and it contributes really well to kind of the Sydney uh, skyline. I don't think this does, you know, I don't think this Houston revamp does that at all. I don't think it brings anything to the London skyline. It's not tall enough for starters. So I don't know. I, I, I kind of wish they did what they did with this South bank tower and added more floors to it and kept the, the actual integrity and style, the international style to the to the tower. What do you think, Liam? Am I being too much of a grumpy old man, or like? Do you uh, agree? No, I don't know, mate. I think it's um, I, I don't think visually it's that good, um, right. but I think it's definitely an upgrade from what it is, and it's obviously a cheap alternative for them rather than knocking it down, right? Mm. True. Yeah, true. Clearly, what you've got with this is when you look at the the existing building and those pictures there. You've got aging, run-of-the-mill office building that they obviously can't let. It's been vacant since 2021. They can't be able to move into it. Um, so the idea of upgrading it and making it higher-end office space and doing some energy efficiency improvements kind of ticks a few boxes for them. And they're trying to let the office space with that higher-end feel. Hmm. But I agree. It's it's it is. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a bit nostalgic for it, but it's a pretty famous, recognisable building in London that's going to be completely changed um summed up in one comment here on instagram uh chap saying no those clean lines are like a beacon at the top of an otherwise shabby top court road the proposal looks like plastic facadism a discount cheese grater oh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh someone else saying very run-of-the-mill contemporary architecture nevertheless it'll make the existing building better suited for energy efficiency and i'm all for it we're better off adapting existing buildings rather than building new ones, considering the sheer amount of structures that could benefit from these kind of refurbishments. Well said. Well said. Mm. Uh, why, why do you think, leave it alone. So. Sorry, mate. Why, why do you think they've put um, the BT Tower on the last slide? <laughs> it just reminds me, we were talking about New York, and we were like, whenever they build a new skyscraper <laughs> building or whatever, they're like, there is position it, so you've got the Chrysler, or you've got one more trade center. You know, they're always, they're always popped in there. And I'm just like, look at the old BTs just popping up over the shoulder. Yeah. It's like, hey, remember, you're in London. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure you can see BT Tower from that place. I'm sure you can. I'm sure the architect's listening. I'm yeah, dark, YouTube, but... I, yeah, I don't think it's quite like that, is it? I think it's no. quite like that. 
Yeah, I don't know. I think they can just do better. It's just frustrating that there's the there's the there's the rando clad on one side and then the uniform clad on the other side. Yeah. It's, oh, it just it doesn't line up. It's I, really but I, 3XN's defence, I having looked at Keycore Tower, I do think this will look very good when they pull it off. I do. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, I, mm. I, it's, it's an improvement. I just think it might have gone a bit too far. Yeah. Just saying it. Just saying it, Chief. Just saying it. Uh, Sam is saying, uh, I feel like with inner city renders, they should add a grey filter to show what a few years worth of pollution on it will look like. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Sam. 100%. These renders were taken on a sunny day in London, which is, uh, well, they're few and far between this summer. Well, this summer? Jeez, my days. What a joke. Uh, For balance, uh, we have Lewis, who is saying, I used to look at this building regularly when I used to work in UCLH, which is the very nice, fantastic hospital just across the way. Uh, And he's saying it looks fab. Good improvement. So there you go. We like a bit of balance on this podcast, don't we? (laughs) We we do, mate. It's what we live for. We live for the balance. Uh, a couple of things a couple of other things to shout out while we're also in the news uh, construction story of the year entries are now open guys they close on the 25th of August so you've not got long get your entries now uh, submitted over at uh, the b1m.com forward slash construction story of the year 2023 we want to hear from you if you're doing an amazing thing working on an amazing story that you think the world should know about get it entered it's free to enter we would love to celebrate it uh, on our awards program other things to mention is that Get Construction Talking, obviously the uh, mental health resources are still there, still available. Uh, donations are pouring in, which is absolutely fantastic. If you'd like to make a difference in this space, follow us on social media, share our resources, or make a donation via getconstructiontalking.org. We would really, really appreciate that. Uh, that's my housekeeping list, Luke. I've spoken through the things I need to speak through now. Shall we uh, cruise on over, mosey on down to the email inbox? Oh, let's do it, mate. Let's do it. So we got an email in from Brian J. Marshall. And he says, hey, guys, love the podcast. You asked if there was another theatre like Taipei that was base isolated. I'm pretty sure that the sphere behind the Academy Museum in Los Angeles that houses a theatre space is base isolated. Although I am 100% sure the next earthquake movie based in LA will have this thing fall off its columns and roll down Wiltshire Boulevard <laughs> into the ocean. I think this qualifies for a bonus point in your quiz since it's not just a theatre, but a spherical theatre. Brian from California. Um, that's quite sweet, isn't it? Did you know about this, Fred? I, I know the building very well. And actually, when I, yeah. when I was thinking about the Taipei building, I actually thought that building uh, does 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 feel the same, does resonate. And uh, what, what I, may, I, I kind of joked last week saying, if you know another theatre worldwide that's been based isolated, let us know. And someone's written in. Yeah, I know. I know. It's wow. so good, isn't it? It's so good. I love the emails that are coming in. And we will, we've got a few in this week, but we will get through... Um, all of them, not on this show, but in future shows. I've got another one for you. Um, this is from Evan Riley, who actually emailed us in oh, at the yeah. end of last year. And he uh, he said, congrats on the one-year milestone. I'm still with you guys and still listening in. Bless your heart, mate. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, hang on. What, what does it mean? Despite. despite... <laughs> yeah, he despite survived. that quiz. Yeah, yeah, he survived a quiz episode. Name three theatres that are base isolated. That's it. Well, 
Evan goes on and says, also, I'm traveling around Japan this and next week. I'm very jealous of that, Evan, mate. Any favorite projects in Tokyo, Evan? Um, what would you say, Fred? Anything Ooh, that stands out, mate? Um, so the Sky Tree, I think, has right. to be seen to be believed. It's, it's very, be. very cool. I haven't been to Tokyo, so right. I'm saying it has to be seen to be believed. I haven't seen it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Uh, also, the Azabudai Hills districts, I would recommend. That's one of the biggest construction projects in the world right now and uh, one of the top 10 projects completing in 2023 as cited by the B1M. So, uh, oh. yeah, go yeah, to there and go, check that Evan. one out. There you go, Evan. Uh, for me, whenever I see stuff on Instagram from Tokyo, it's always the smaller projects, the everyday yeah. stuff, whether it's houses or little boutique shops. They, they, they look absolutely exceptional, and I think it helps to – Tokyo, Japan is so clean, isn't it? It so has the clean, world's, so. uh, world's best metro as well. So I'd, I'd, I'd probably take a ride on that to go between the landmarks. Uh, Do you mean the best by, as in it's the most efficient? Mm, like how they best. push, they push, they've got those pedals and they push you on? <laughs> cram everyone on there. Um, I, I think it's the world's best metro because it is, uh, it's very efficient, it's very clean, it's very well organized. It was built in a very, um, in a kind of a circular form which serves the regions and the suburbs and the core very well it's also very cheap to use so i don't know mate i don't know mm-hmm. canning town canning town dlr station ain't in tokyo is it do you know <laughs> what i mean like it's not come on i'd still say london but i'm planning to go to uh japan next year and i know they've they've just got everything on lock trains they've just They've got it all figured out, haven't they? So I'm yeah. looking forward to that. Enjoy, Evan, and you'll have to give um, give us some recommendations. I thought you'd gone to Japan, Liam. And you no, mate. Japan? No, it's on the list. Very high up the list. Ah, right. Yeah. Is it? I thought. Is it your brother who went to Japan? No, I thought it was someone in your family, like lived in Japan. For no, a no, my brother lives in uh, <laughs> Thailand. My brother lives in Koh Samui. Oh, right. Sorry, yeah. I did also not Asia, mean- but not <laughs> different country, <laughs> mate. <laughs> <laughs> not that close right, to each other right really back really really back. okay all right i'm gonna shut up but uh yeah thank you for emailing in guys we really appreciate that and we'll get to a few others next week yeah fantastic keep your reviews coming in as well if uh we need after that quiz we need some reviews we need some, <laughs> some five star reassurance okay keep keep, keep your reviews coming in <laughs> guys we have loved talking to you about this this has been a damn good edition of the oh. world's best construction podcast uh, you had a good time, Liam. Anything you want to close out on or add? Great time. No, mate. No. I had a lovely time. Great. Yeah. <laughs> There's a quote. There's a quote for social media. I had a lovely time. Just put that mm. on the top of the podcast poster. I want to go Switzerland. Oh, I want to go to Switzerland. What was the... Um, you did two quizzes the other day, Fred. One on Twitter for the for the most overrated skyscrapers, I think. And the other one was Ooh, the, yeah. the funniest story on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Oh, hang on. Well, I haven't got the answer to either of those. Bear with me. Let me... Um, so the world's most overrated skyscraper on Twitter. There were lots of uh, lots of people saying nasty things about skyscrapers that I liked. I didn't participate in this quiz because I thought it would be a bit biased. Um, yeah. I just write in the walkie-talkie and block caps. Uh, so <laughs> some guy called Liam Marsh said <laughs> the Shard and 432 Park Avenue. Um, Burj Khalifa, uh, One World Trade Center, Patronus Towers, Burj Khalifa. Yeah. Someone says all of the Dubai skyline. Oh, Hudson Yards comes up a few times as well. I have to say, Burj Khalifa is probably winning out here. But hey, wow. is this that... for overrated? Overrated? Yeah, 
when you're yeah, that successful, do... you're going to get people knocking exactly, you on. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah, definitely. So the uh, Luke being confused as Kyle won the... Uh, basically uh luke versus luke being kyle was top followed by prince albert followed by the quiz followed by uh hermes so monkey herpes story was funny but not that funny so oh right brilliant brilliant and i'm and i'm still like carl all right mate well Kyle. Anyway, Let guys, thanks for listening. This has been Fred, Kyle, and Liam. We really appreciate you tuning in, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna be talking to you again next week. <laughs> I was honestly sitting down before this, and I was like, I wonder how many puns Fred's gonna throw in this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> there's a three already there's a four. few in the video I was like yeah. oh classic, classic damn straight damn Let's straight cracking <laughs> oh nice I didn't <laughs> that was an accident uh, just rolls <laughs> off the tongue mate I didn't even I didn't even notice that I know yeah. you do it subconsciously mate it just rolls out subconsciously yeah subconsciously I'm that good just got like a reflex trained <laughs>